0: Who you with? Who you with? Who you with? Y'all know how we get started on this side. Quick roll call. Well, my Saints fans, my Falcon fans, my Buck fans, my Panther fans. Whether you keep pining, firing off them cannons, rising up and yelling out, who that? Whatever you do to support your team, I'm just glad that you're here supporting me. I, Darian the Mouth of the South Gray, the one and only host of Point Blank, period. Recorded and coming to you live from the Jansport per usual. On Instagram at underscore Mouth of the South. On Twitter at South Exclusives, come talk to me. And don't forget to rate this podcast five stars. I'm hoping you guys are liking it, so I hope you guys are giving it five stars. But on this episode of Point Blank Period, we're going to dive back into the COVID list that the Carolina Panthers, that's what we talked about in the last episode. We're going to talk about Jalen Hurts' first starting in the NFL. And we're going to talk about Ronald Jones and Dalvin Cook. And why they are so important to this week's matchup between the Vikings and the Bucks, which is my game of the week. I know I haven't talked about that in a long time, and that's on me. That's on me not doing that. But I'm back with it. This is my game of the week, and I'm going to tell you why later on. You know what? Forget it. Now, you know what? I'm going to start off. I'm going to start off with it because it's the game of the week. It's the most important thing going on this week in the NFC South. So why not start here? And it's a game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Minnesota Vikings. Huge game. Like, I don't think that I can apply too much emphasis on that fact. And what was such a hot start for the Bucs has came crashing down. It's the exact opposite of the Vikings. But this has come crashing down for them. And this game has big-time stakes. And I'm not quite sure, like 100% sure. I'm probably about 87% sure. But I believe that a loss here would put, has the possibility, obviously, to push the Vikings out of the playoffs. After all the preseason hype, after all of the, the, the hot start and the blowing out the Green Bay Packers, it would be amazing to go into the, the bottom quarter of the year. A game in the last four games of the season. And say the 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 Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not a playoff team. Now, what would have to happen is they would have to lose this game, and then the Arizona Cardinals would have to win their matchup. And I think this pushes them out because the the conference schedule and the Raiders, no, excuse me, not the Raiders, the Cardinals and the Vikings will have only lost four conference games, while the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would have lost five. That's if they lose this week. So, yes, this is extremely important. And even if the next tiebreaker isn't conference record, you still don't want to be losing a head-to-head matchup between the Vikings. What if the Vikings and the Bucks tie at the end of the year for that seventh spot? And because they lost this week, they're out of it. So, this is a huge game. And like I said, the Vikings are the exact opposite. They started terribly, started off one in five. So, kudos to them. I can't stand them. I cannot stand the Vikings at all. And if you know me, you know why, but I do not like the Vikings. But you still have to give them some, uh, some respect for turning around. You know, I know this isn't a North podcast and Tommy boy said he ain't never going back to the Northeast, but you have to at least give them a round of applause and talk about what they have done this year because it has been a fantastic turnaround. So going into this matchup, enough of hyping it up. There's some studs on the field. All right. When these two teams match up, you got Brady, Mike Evans, Levante David, just to name a few, Harrison Smith. Unfortunately, we won't be seeing Eric Kendricks. And that bums me out, not just because he's on my fantasy team, but also because he's a really good linebacker. Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson will be on the field, though. And I purposely left out the first name. That you would think of when talking about the Minnesota Vikings. And that's Dalvin Cook. I left it out to prove a point. Not really prove a point. But more so to drive this point home. Because it would be hard to name. I'm trying to name all these players except for the running back. So let's attack Dalvin Cook later. And let's jump straight to Ronald Jones. He's currently fourth in the league in rushing yards. He's currently ninth in the league in yards per carry. Now, I don't follow the week-to-week league leaders because that kind of stuff just doesn't interest me, honestly. Like, it's cool, but I don't follow the league leaders because they they go up and down, people get hurt, things change. I prefer to look at them probably last quarter of the year, last couple of games, so about now-ish. But this guy is fourth in the league, and that's surprising. You would not think, at least me, I wouldn't think, that any running back on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be top five in rushing yards because they had a game this year where they only ran the ball five times. And one of those was a kneel down. So for him to be number four in the league, I think it's pretty impressive. And if I'm not mistaken, he has the highest yards per carry of any running back over 150 uh, attempts. So Ronald Jones has been playing really well. So while I know that They'll never run for five times in the game. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. B.A. is saying that he's going to make it an effort to get Ronald Jones going because he says that's where they start. And fans get mad about the number of first down runs, which I understand because statistics will tell you that passing is way more efficient. And then also the statistics will tell you that. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are actually worse at running on first down than the majority of the league. So it's already something that you're so-and-so not supposed to do, I guess. But when you're not as good as other people, it's like, really, why are you doing this? So as much as people say that, (laughs) I was trying to shoot B.A. some bail. He got to stop doing it. I've been trying to defend B.A. because I think everybody has been getting on him with Brady. But I couldn't, in good faith, and with a straight face, to try to explain why that was a good idea. And I tried to, and I had a brain for it. But all that being said, they are going to have to run him. Maybe it's not first down, but they're looking for a bigger, a balanced role for Rojo. And I think the goal of getting him 20, 20 touches is good. Because they're 5-1 and one when he gets 15 touches. So there is some sort of correlation between wins and him getting touches. I don't know if it's a direct causation, but there's some correlation there. And it's my belief that you will, we'll see him get some usage when the game first starts. Because the excuse for not having him have so many touches in games like the Saints game, the second one, or the Chiefs game is that the game got away from them quickly. Well, in my opinion, if you run the ball early... It's duly beneficial. Because one, you're getting him touches, you're getting him going. But then also, if done correctly and effectively, running that ball early will keep the opposing offense off of the field. And this it's kind of weird saying that because they don't have a trash defense. They're not bad at all on defense. We're actually gonna get to how good they've been stopping the run when we talk about Dalvin Cook. So it's weird that you would Want to consciously run the ball to keep the offense off the field. But then again, time of possession is something that regardless if your defense is the 2000 Ravens or the 2012 Saints, uh, it don't matter. That's how you want to be. So let's keep getting our time of possession going. So I think that Ronald Jones getting the ball will actually help the team. And it seems that in the off in the bye week, the off week. This team is actually making some adjustments to the usage of their running back. And I know that fans are looking to see if they have adjustments to the usage of another star player. For that time, we'll have to wait and see. So let's look at Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs, not just in the conference, the NFC, but in the NFL. And in my opinion, stopping him is more important than stopping Jones because I have more confidence in Brady than I do Cousins and I know that Brady has had some struggles but come on now and I know Cousins been heating up I'm trusting Brady more than I'm trusting my my long lost cousins Kirk all right This is a matchup of strength on strength because the Vikings want to want to run the ball down your throat and the Bucks are making sure that you don't run it at all So They've never allowed, this season at least, a 60-yard 60, 60 runner. Cook has six 100-yard games. So, though they say it starts with Jones, I know for a fact <laughs> that the Vikings go through Cook. See, they got Adam Thielen and my boy Jay Jettus. They got my boy Jay Jettus on the edges, okay? But at the same time, You can handle them having a good game. If Jettis and Thielen are having a good game, I think that you can still pull it off as long as you are managing Cook. But here is my bold prediction. My bold prediction is that Cook is the first player to go over 60 yards against his Tampa Bay defense. And it may not because he popping one off. At the worst, I think it would be because as long as it's a the close game, because of the accumulation of attempts. I don't think that Dalvin Cook will stop running the ball as long as it's close. You look at that Chicago game; they did a great job containing him. It may not look like it because I think he got either higher 80 or lower 90 in rushing yards. But his yards per attempt was not great. And he just kept running, kept running, kept running, kept running, kept running. But the Buccaneer offense is good enough to where that offensive performance by the Vikings will not win them the game. So while I do believe that Cook is the first player to go over 60 yards, I still am taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I think that that may happen because of the accumulation of attempts. But they will contain everything else. And their offense will score better than Chicago did. So, for that reason, I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pulling off this game. And it's important. It's very important. And they're going to know that they need to do it. They're going to come off that bye week and they're going to show up. So, now before I get into the rest of the show about the Saints and the Panthers, let's get into the vibe of the week. And I was talking, I was talking about how Manny Fresh. And he's so isolated in cash money to start off and what he could have been. And he got me thinking of some of the best beats he put out for some other people. And for y'all who don't know, that beat that you hear at the beginning of the show, that's a Manny Fresh beat with T.I. So I thought, you know what, let's talk about this. And this is this is a great intro. So I got T.I. top back, vibe of the week. I'll be back with Point Blank, period. Crim de la crim, homie. Top shelf, you know. I like my beat down low, down low, down low, down low, down low, down low, down low. I like my top lip bit, lip bit, lip bit, lip bit, lip bit, lip bit. Hey, holler if you like your beat down low, down low, down low, down low, down low, down low, down low. I like my top. I got it, I'm so that I do want to be this like you. Okay, 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 I'm setting the whole block. Welcome back to Point Blank Period. I am Darian the Mouth of the South Gray. And if you ain't nod your head at least a lot of it <laughs> when them horns came in, run it back because you wasn't listening good enough. And if you run it back and you back here at this same spot and you still ain't nod your head when them horns came in, I don't know what to tell you. You're tripping that intro. Oh, my God. It's look. Trust me, when I get off of here, I'm probably going to play it again. And yes, I have been playing it for the past probably day and a half. Just wild. Anyway, let's get into these Panthers. Let's get into this COVID list. And they had a scare. Sort of, kind of. It really was a positive with DJ Moore. It wasn't a Dez Bryant. It wasn't a false positive. They didn't try to get him off of the field so he couldn't face his former team. But that's not the podcast for this. And I hope that somebody, there's too many conspiracy theorists out here in the world to not say that Jerry Jones paid the medical staff to fake that COVID testing, And word is he might have used the same doctors who, quote unquote, accidentally punctured Tyra Taylor's lung. Anyway, let's talk about these Panthers. Let's talk about DJ Moore we'll keep that last little tidbit between me and you, right? But DJ Moore, this is a tough, this is a tough loss. But I think it's minimized by some of the people that they got back. And because they got some people back, it looks like the game should be on the go. It looks like an isolated incident. And it's just DJ Moore who tested positive. All the other close contacts should be good. Shaq Thompson, Derrick Brown, and Curtis Samuel all came off the COVID list on Friday. And I think that most important guy, or at least the most interesting and intriguing guy that came off, is Curtis Samuel. And that's because when you look at how much he can do, his versatility, but especially when you look at the fact of who's the one guy that tested positive, DJ Moore. The leader in yards for the Carolina Panthers. And I know that he's not the leader in targets or catches. That's Robbie Anderson. And Robbie Anderson is still there, but you don't want it to be just Robbie. What you, what you trying to do, do a, a three-headed attack where you got <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater, Robbie Anderson, and Ian Thomas? I told my guy, Dad, stop talking to me about Ian Thomas. I don't want to hear none of that. So when I look at it, I say Curtis Samuel's back. Great. Because DJ Moore is the leading receiver, but Robbie Anderson ain't that far behind. You got to have somebody to pair with him. And that's Curtis Samuel. So you're missing a valuable and dynamic and dangerous variable when you take out DJ Moore. But that problem would have been only exacerbated if you're talking about taking away Curtis Samuel. And then what's even more interesting when you're talking about removing Samuel is that Christian McCaffrey's out too. So you would have had Samuel, McCaffrey, And more, That's three of your top four receiving threats out of the game. So, with Christian McCaffrey being out, it sparked something else to my mind. Samuels carved out himself a role at that running back position. Hmm. Christian McCaffrey come back, I don't know how much they're using him. But with Mike Davis, I definitely feel like they'll give him probably like, let's say four to six snaps a game. Maybe running, maybe catching out the backfield, various things. Maybe just being a uh, next to Teddy in the in the shotgun. Who knows? But I do know them. Them touches are probably limited if Christian's not there. But with Christian not being there, it's a certain dynamic. And I've loved when they've used him as a running back. I think it's been a really cool niche that they've carved out this year. So his versatility makes Samuel, in my opinion, the most valuable person to return from that COVID list. And that's no disrespect to Shaq Thompson. That's no disrespect to Gros Matos. That's no disrespect to Derrick Brown. He just does a lot with he being Samuel. Now, to close out the show, let's get into Jalen Hurts making his first start. And as we all know, he played a little bit in that Packers game. But for the most part, this is his first real introduction to the NFL as a quarterback because this is his first start. And replacing Carson Wentz. But I don't see him as a person who will ease the pain. But <laughs> how do you go from wincing to hurting? But all corny cliches. And I'll try my hand at him. But all corny cliches aside. This is how I look at Carson Wentz. There are people who defend him. And they say hey look at all the things he had around him. That made him so bad. He didn't have any quality receiving threats. He didn't have a coaching staff that was going to build around him. He didn't have an offensive line that was going to protect him and give him the, the, excuse me, the adequate amount of time to throw the ball. Then there those who attack him and say he's playing bad, and that's it. Those thought processes need to merge. So feeling aside for Carson Wentz who in the last time he played the Saints had less passing yards than Trey smith had receiving yards, but that is not the point. Feelings aside for that man. Both of those thought processes, excuse me, those thought processes, good, good Lord, I need to make sure I get some water when this is over. But both of those thought processes are important when evaluating the Eagles because Carson Wentz was making a bad situation worse, but even without him, it's important to remember He's making what worse, a bad situation. And the worst part about it is that nothing except for probably the coaching is likely to change. They're talking about getting Miles Sanders more involved, which I'm sure Eagle fans would like to hear. He hasn't had 20 touches in a game since week three. But they've had 12 combinations on the offensive line. No stability. These wide receivers aren't going to all of a sudden turn into all pros overnight. This isn't me saying that the Eagles are just a dumpster fire that Jalen Hurts can't make them better. But he's not going to take them to a promised land. There's so many other problems on this team. But when looking at Jalen Hurts, I don't think that the Saints should be too fearful of the situation. The league does not have much film on him. I think we got a good idea of who he is, what he is. And... I won't shy away from the fact that when Taysom Hill was announced to be the quarterback, I wasn't for it. I didn't think that it was a good idea. And I'm also not ashamed to say I was wrong. Not just because it's beneficial for me being wrong, but I just won't I don't have a problem with it. But Taysom's success shines a light for Hurts because I think they are similar players at the quarterback position. Obviously, Taysom does way more when Breeze is the quarterback than, than uh, Hertz has done when Carson was the quarterback. I didn't think that Hurts was that good of a passer in college. I think that, especially when he was at Alabama. So you look, he went to Oklahoma for a year. He got a year with Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, and it definitely helped him out. I looked at that combine, and I said, you know what? This guy looks like a better passer, but he's in shorts right now. So who knows? Then he came and he threw that that deep pass down the sideline against the Packers. And I said, he's doing that in pads too. He's improved. (laughs) So, both of these players are guys who came in. They're very mobile. But there was questions about how they would be throwing the ball. All of those good things about Jalen that I've said. Because you said the same thing about Taysom. Where he looks better throwing the ball than we thought he was. All of those good things about Jalen. Out the window. I don't care about them because the guy that I'm comparing him to is going to, be, is going to be the starting quarterback on the other side of him this week, which means that defense is familiar with that type of play. And I think having Taysom Hill on the team is going to be very beneficial because you can prepare for it. A lot of times they get the, the scout team guys. Who can we get to? Who can we get to mimic? Who can we get to mimic? And while Taysom Hill ain't gonna be running plays against the the first team defense I, I don't know I wouldn't think so I think that having him on the team and having played with him for multiple years at this point you have a pretty good niche on what would I do to stop this guy if I ever had to face him one of my favorite things to see and I'll close out the podcast like this was Batman when he had a plan to take down every single person in the Justice League except for Green Arrow but he had that plan. And even though they were on the same team, he knew that if ever they were opposition, he knew how he would take them down. And I'd imagine, or I'd, I'd at least hope, that the New Orleans Saints defense has had some sort of plan like that for Taysom Hill. Because if they have, then taking down Hurts won't be as difficult, regardless of if he's had any NFL playtime or any film to really study point blank period but y'all know the drill to the next time run me back if you want to hear me again mendarian gray the mouth of the south